Welcome to Season 4 of the M-W Tactical Podcast. Sit back and enjoy the conversations of Rockstar Burst and myself, Michael Woodland, as we discuss the sport of shooting, goals, training, community matters, and everyday life. You are listening to the M-W Tactical Podcast. All right, good people, we're back at it again, and thank you for sitting through another installation of the M-W Tactical Podcast. This week's show is brought to you in part by Hunter HD Gold. Hunter's HD Gold, their slogan is, they change so you don't have to. So head on over to huntershdgold.com, check out their lineup, and see what all they have to offer you for your eye protection needs. Also, one thing about Hunter's HD Gold is that if you have your favorite frame that you like to wear, you can send it in and they will put the Hunter HD Golds or Ruby Red, whichever lens you would like, into that favorite frame and send it back to you. That simple. But if you like more information on that and the process with Hunter's HD Gold, hit up the website, huntershdgold.com and send a message and they can give you all the details about the services they provide. This week, we're gonna hit up a couple talking points, but before we hit, the, hit up those talking points, I do wanna say thank you for all the listeners around the world. All the emails that are coming in is greatly appreciated. And I do believe I have a new troll patrol going on, whereas we might get over 2,000 people to nag Rockstar all day. So I'm not doing it by myself. I got a team and we're going to work in shifts and we're going to make this happen. All right. Also, I do want to remind you that if you're listening to the M-W Tactical Podcast on Spotify, you do have the option where you can actually view the show that we're doing right now. So also, if you're watching us on YouTube, you're listening to the show, but that feature is also extended on Spotify as well. And one thing we would like for everyone to do, if you are watching on YouTube, please go ahead and hit that subscribe button, click that bell, and be notified whenever we have new videos coming out on the M-W Tactical channel. If you're listening to us on your favorite streaming platform, please go ahead and subscribe so you are notified whenever a new show is released it will be greatly appreciated. Now, without further ado, as you know, my enjoyment of the day is waking up and figuring out how I'm going to nag Rockstar. So I was a little bit under the weather this weekend, so I really didn't do it this weekend, but I wanna see if the Troll Patrol is gonna come in and do this. So without further ado, we're going to bring in the lovely, the co-host of the M-W podcast, Rockstar. What's going on with you there, Ms. Rockstar? Oh, just holding down the fort in Wisconsin and enjoying the last few weeks of 2021. <laughs> yeah, going by pretty fast. Um, I actually woke up this morning and looked at the calendar and said, wow, Christmas is actually next week. You know, and... I'm actually looking forward to January to be on the safe side of things, but, but then again, I really don't like this time of the year, <laughs> so, <laughs> um, but, I, but I did have a pretty interesting conversation 
about this time of the year with someone and conversation went you know when it was like hey did you get all your Christmas shopping in and everything and I was like well you know I did all my shopping already but I hate this time of the year and then of course they was like why and I expressed how this time of the year is more commercialized and it's not really about what it should be about in my personal view because I never thought life should be about what somebody else gives you material and that's what we're worshiping versus the true meaning of life the way I look at it. so I don't know what's your take on that so oh I I well I definitely don't like the whole like commercialization of yeah. Christmas I think it's garbage but I love Christmas like I love like I mean my hair is red it's like festive and I love like well like my mom and I are baking Christmas cookies today and I'm not super big into decorating a tree anymore I used to be when I was younger but it's a lot of work they they still do it I don't have a tree at my place um one because I have a cat and cats <laughs> will like destroy Christmas. <laughs> so it's like, maybe don't have the cat anymore. Or if I had like kids, then I would be you know more into it. Um, but yeah, like I haven't even I am making Christmas presents this year for the most part. I'm not buying anybody stuff. So and there's a lot of people on my list who might get cold. So there's that. <laughs> gotcha. I got you on that. Um, I know one thing I've always done, I've always, always told people, don't ever get me anything for Christmas. And I think if I was to start telling people, oh, get me this for Christmas, they won't get me anything. Because everybody I say, don't get me anything. They always give me something, <laughs> you know. And of course, the polite thing to do is accept it and be thankful for what they've done. But I think I'm going to reverse it next year. And I think that's what I might just do. Just turn around and just be like, yeah, get me this, this, and this. And then hopefully they won't get it for me. So play a little reverse psychology on next Christmas to see how that's going to pan out. Also, speaking of uh, Christmas, um, I didn't even talk to you off air about this until I was just looking at my notes. But the 21st of December is going to be our last show for the year. And then we're going to come back the week after January 7th. So that Tuesday after January 7th. So we're going to take about, about a two-week break from the show. So for all of you who listen to the M-W Tactical Podcast, we do thank you. And of course, we're going to need a break so we can catch up on some admin stuff. And I think Rockstar might need that break so she can actually let her hair down and know I'm not going to nag her over those two weeks. But I'm not making any promises, but <laughs> we know how that's going to go. <laughs> but um, yeah, I just wanted to throw that out there so everybody is aware so I don't forget. So I'm saying it right now. And um, we're going to talk about a giveaway later on in the show as well. So once the, the YouTube channel hits a thousand subscribers, we're going to actually do a giveaway um, from products um, that the sponsors are donating for this giveaway. So I think that would be pretty interesting. And then um, we're going to turn around and we're going to actually do an interview with the match director from the Palmetto Gun Club in Charleston, South Carolina, that last Toys for Tots match I done that I put the video up on YouTube as well. 
And that was a fun match. So we're going to actually talk to Chad and hear what it took for him to put this match together and other things he has going on within the shooting community as well. So I think it'll be a fun conversation overall. Um, before we dive into this commercial break, do you have anything um, special you want to bring up before we, you know, reach into those talking points? Hmm, trying to think. Nothing too crazy. Um, I did go to the range this week, so that was fun. Got what? some you went good to the range, range time. I did. <laughs> oh, man. All right, so I saw the picture on Instagram, whereas you were shooting, I guess it was an AR platform. Mm-hmm. Uh, what else did you shoot or were you just concentrating on the AR platform? Um, I was shooting the AR probably the most, but I also was doing some pistol training. Nice, nice. Yeah. Yeah. Ready. <laughs> Get ready. I know, right? <laughs> it was good. I definitely felt a lot more comfortable. Um, I haven't I haven't been to that particular range in a while, and it's actually a spot that I really I do like it. Um so the uh, general manager was there and I was chatting with him afterwards. And um, I'm actually, I, I purchased a, um, a 22 um, a rifle and have never, I mean, I've done some like sporting clay stuff in the past, but I'm not super comfortable with that. So I was actually talking to him on who he could recommend to, to train with and just get more comfortable with it comes in this week. So I figured I should probably have somebody walk me through it before I, um, you know, before I start using it. (laughs) I've done um, sporting clays a few times. Every time I went out, it was a disaster. It was like, (laughs) I know people was looking at me like, man, he wasting clay. (laughs) You know, doing this. (laughs) When I was in the army, I linked up with the shotgun team when I was over at AMU. And one of the shooters, they was telling me how to actually shoot the clays. And when they was actually showing me, I started hitting them, but it was close to the end of the session and before they had to go get ready for the Olympics training that they was doing. And the next time I went out, I was trying to remember everything that was being said. And I was like, I got this. I'm going to show everybody how good I am at shotgun. And I'm just going to be put on a pedestal. I got up there and I went back to day one. <laughs> Clay's <laughs> just going all over the place. I'm missing them. Like, oh, Lord have mercy. <laughs> it was ugly. So, um, but shooting Clay's is not one of the things I'm familiar with at all. <laughs> not even remotely. <laughs> All right, so, um, but yeah, let's go ahead and dive into this quick commercial break, and um, we're going to come back, and then we'll um, talk about some of the talking points that we talked about prior, you know, early in the earlier conversations, rather. But if everybody will, please stay in your seats, and here are a few words from our sponsors. Mental Health and Guns. At Walk the Talk America, we're working with both the mental health community and the gun industry. Created by a gun industry veteran, Walk the Talk America seeks to raise awareness and create change through suicide prevention and firearm safety without legislation. We strive to eliminate the prejudice that firearms and mental health face. For more information and to support Walk the Talk America, please visit walkthetalkamerica.org. 
What's up, good people? Thank you for taking the time and listening to the M-W Tactical Podcast. Please, go visit the M-W Tactical store at www.m-wtactical.com forward slash store and help support our efforts by purchasing a shirt or two. If you haven't done so, go follow us on Instagram and Facebook by searching for M-W Tactical. Are you in the market to purchase your first or next firearm, but find the atmosphere of a gun store intimidating, crowded, or uninviting? There's a way for you to purchase the gun you want while avoiding the crowds, the gruff salesmen, and the marked up prices that come with a brick and mortar gun store. The process is called a transfer, where the purchase is made in an online store and sent to a federally licensed middleman called an FFL, who processes the paperwork and background check for a firearm purchase. CAE Transfers is the FFL with the lowest transfer cost in the Midlands at only $20 or $15 with the presentation of a South Carolina concealed weapons permit and $10 for repeat customers. If you live in Columbia, South Carolina or its surrounding areas, choose CAE Transfers as your FFL during checkout and let me help you complete your online gun purchase. You can find and follow CAE Transfers online at Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram using at CAE Transfers. Thank you for your business, and I look forward to seeing you soon. Hey, everyone. John from Outdoor Dynamics here. We're a remanufacturer of ammunition based in Kannapolis, North Carolina. We make everything from 9mm 115 grain to specialized 40 Smith & Wesson. So if you have anything from an open gun to just a standard Glock 19, feel free to reach out to us at OutdoorDynamics.net or we're on Instagram and Facebook with Outdoor.Dynamics. And we're always here for you. Happy to answer any questions you have. Hey, this is Brian. Thank you so much for listening to the M-W Tactical Podcast. Michael has been a great supporter of Hunters HD Gold, and it's my pleasure to be a support for his podcast as well. Make sure you check out the Hunters HD Gold website for prescription orders and also custom orders where you can use your own frame for your Hunters HD Gold lenses. Or if you want to try the new Hunters HD Ruby, we have information there as well. Because we always use Trivex lenses as our base material, and all our lenses are photochromic. So they change so you don't have to. So thank you again for listening to the M-W Tactical Podcast, and we'll see you at the range soon. All right, good people. We're back at it again. And thank you for sitting through that commercial spot. And pay the sponsors a visit and let them know that you heard about them on the M-W Tactical Podcast. Now, before we went on the commercial break, we actually stated that we were going to be doing a giveaway once the YouTube channel, the M-W Tactical YouTube channel, hits 1,000 subscribers. Right now, it's at 669 or 670, one of the two. So once it hits 1,000 subscribers, there's 330 opportunities for someone to win some of the prizes that will be given away. Now, the rules for this are very simple. Once again, once we hit 1,000 subscribers, that's when the giveaway is going to start. And we're going to do the giveaway either on the M-W Tactical Podcast or we might just turn around and do it live on YouTube. So the only thing you got to do is go to the M-W Tactical YouTube channel. Look at the number of subscribers. So right now, if it's at 669, if right now you hit the subscribe button, 
now your number will be 670. Remember 670, whatever number it is when you hit subscribe. Email info at m-wtactical.com. Put in the message block, I am number, whatever it was when you hit the subscribe button, the next number that you see, you don't see. And put your name. We're going to go ahead. We're going to take your name and put it in a randomizer. And then once it hit a thousand, when we start the, the giveaway, that's how we're going to select the winner. It's just going to be a random draw for all the prizes, not all at once, but for each prize. And I think that's going to make, make it pretty interesting overall. Um, what's your thoughts on that there, Rockstar? Yeah, I like that. I think that's um, a really, a really fun way to get people to subscribe. And I'm excited to hear, um, you know, just people's feedback and also about some of the things that they can win for the giveaway. Oh, yeah. So um, also another thing we're doing on the M-W Tactical channel, we're doing polls. So if you click on the community link on the M-W Tactical YouTube channel, You'll see some of the polls we have going on. And if you jump in, just go ahead and give your insights on the questions that are being asked. So just a little bit of engagement that we want to do with some of the people who actually listen and get their insight on some of the issues that we talk about here on the show overall. But once again, this giveaway will actually start when the subscribers hit 1,000. So I'm hoping that this happens before the 21st, because if it happens before the 21st, then we can do it on the 21st, the last show of the year, and give away good prizes, early gifts, Christmas gifts for listeners, in a way of speaking, and run it from there, and then go into 2022 with a blast. You know, now, last week, we briefly talked about the Oxford, Michigan school shooting. Did you do any more research on this? Because I did some reading up on this and I'm amazed at some of the stuff that I found on both sides of the line. Yeah, I think the two things that really stood out to me were one, the school and how they already kind of had they, they kind of knew that this was a, a kid who needed help. And um, the other thing that really stood out to me was the parents and how they seemed very nonchalant about purchasing a firearm for their son. And from what it sounds like, they kind of told him just to like hide the fact that his parents bought it for him. Um, which I think is also problematic. So there was just a lot of people doing a lot of things that they shouldn't have. And this was kind of the worst possible outcome of other people's negligence and mistakes. Yeah, so digging into this case, I was more like, wow. Because of course, you know, when you first hear it, when it first comes out, everything is kind of a rough circle and pretty much theory based on some of the stuff that they're piecing together. And then later on, of course, they start connecting the dots and then you get the full story. So of course, we already know that the parents bought the firearm for the child. 
the child took the firearm to school and shot people and injured people at the school. We know this already as facts. Now, my conclusion of like, when I process all this, I'm putting the parents in the category of the fake patriots that I see that's going on around the nation, right? Because they're part of the problem, but they don't look at it as they're part of the problem. They're not a solution to whatever is going on with them mentally, but they're part of the problem overall. Now, of course, upon further research, we already know that the parents were arrested, they were arraigned, and both of them pleaded not guilty to all the charges that they was charged with, right? Also, the son pleaded not guilty to the charges that he was charged with, you know? So I'm sitting back like, okay, is this one of those, okay, I know I'm done, so I'm just gonna say not guilty and hopefully I get off on a technicality or something like that? Is that one of these measures? Um, but then again, I don't know. They, but you also remember last week when I told you if the parents are going to get charged, is that going to open up the doorway for the school and the officials in the school system to be charged for this also? You know, so that's talk as well, because the last thing that I found was the attorney general for Michigan actually went to the school and said they wanted to do an independent investigation. The school declined. But then they turned around and said, well, we're going to do it anyway. You know, so I'm thinking that's going to be the start of the cover up right there, because now somebody's going to have to take responsibility of this. And in the event that somebody takes responsibility of this, somebody's going to lose a job. You know, and honestly, I don't know how some people look at it, but look at a, a an area, whereas like just any area, the principal in that area is probably getting paid six figures for being a principal of that school. Now look at everybody that's under that principal and how the pay goes all the way down to when you get down to the teacher. Not to say some of those salaries are 70, 80, 90,000, but this is the livelihood of people taking care of families and the commitment that they put into education, their career, and to their community. You know, so it's about to get ugly. It's about to get ugly on multiple fronts. Um, but what is, what is your take on that side of it? Whereas should the officials be charged or not? Well, I think somebody has to take some sort of responsibility, especially because they knew. I did see that there was one of the families is, is suing for like $100 million. So there's a lawsuit that's going to be coming out of this. That's a whole other thing. I'm not, I have mixed feelings on these kind of extravagant lawsuits that people file against, um, you know, school districts and police departments and public services essentially but that's a different topic 
but I, I don't disagree that people are for sure going to be impacted, but at the same time, I feel like we have to, well, I mean, I guess we have to figure out like, what does responsibility look like? And did, did the people who knew what was going to happen do their due diligence? And if, if they did, and if they did everything that was kind of by the book and the protocols that the school had in place, then in theory, nobody should, should lose their jobs because if the, if the um, investigation finds that, well, this is, a, this is what we have in place for a situation like this, and the teachers and the administrations did A, B, and C, um, then, you know, then they did their, their diligence and then no one should really be, um, reprimanded for that but I don't think that's the case I can't speak fully because I don't know what their procedures are but I would guess that that is not what happened and I'm guessing some things probably did fall through the cracks and maybe certain protocols weren't followed or people weren't notified and then we have this situation where you know a child brings a gun to school and shoots people so if that's the case, then what, like, what is the fallout from that? Do, do they go to jail? Do they serve a fine? Do they get fired? Do they have to go on administratively without pay for a certain amount of time? I don't, I don't know what we have kind of set in place for that school or really, I mean, for society, like what do, what is the fallout from this? Um, and I think the, just from the initial kind of reports of what's going on it's it's I don't know I mean it's like the perfect place where you could have a cover-up right like you get enough people involved I'm fairly anti-teachers union for a multitude of reasons but I feel like unions in general oftentimes can protect people and information from getting out and uh you know, prevent people from getting to the the bottom of a of a certain situation. So, I would hope that this is a situation where we could get truth and the family can get closure and the school district can be, you know, hopefully this never happens again. But at least the proper measures and procedures can be put into place so that we make sure something like this doesn't happen again. But um, I don't know. I feel like it's going to be super politicized already, and it will be because it's one, it's the school district, and two, it's the Second Amendment, and all of these things are already, you know, very hot button issues for for Americans to deal with. So, I will be interested to kind of see how it shakes out. I don't think that the um, if the child really has a leg to stand on, you, you can you know, can't be shooting up a school and not face any consequences it will be interesting how the parents case kind of checks out just based on laws that are already on the books and how do we how do you charge people with that and how do you hold people accountable if there's not already a uh like a current law in place so that that's kind of where my head is at. like that'll be the most interesting part to me so charge do do the things they're being charged with line up with current legislation so well, I mean, I'm looking at it from the standpoint of, okay, we already know what took place on the shooter side, family involvement, parents, mindset, 
the child's mindset. A teacher brought it forth, you know, to the school officials. Now, starting with that teacher, when she brought it forth, whoever she took it to, then they called the parents in. Who did the parents talk to when they came up there? And when the officials in the school who made the determination, like, okay, you need to take the child with you when you leave, then they was like, no, nah, we're not going to do that. Like, how did that conversation go? Yeah. Because you know? I remember I was in a fight in high school. And, of course, you know, when you get in a fight in North Carolina at this time, this is before... Well, we had the police officers in the school, but the police officers couldn't arrest you yet for fighting. That came later. But what they did was they contacted your parents. You know, so my dad came up there to the school, but he told the principal right then, he was like, I'm taking him home. He's not going to sit in school for the rest of the day. He's going home with me. Right. And then, of course, that was a different scenario when we got home, <laughs> you know. Because it was like another life lesson from my dad. Now, how did these parents actually word that? Whereas they just, no, he's not coming home. Ain't nothing wrong with him, this side or another. Like, okay, if these people are saying that there's an issue with your child, right? Is this going back to the parent complex of, oh, my child is a butterfly. My child is so sweet. My child would never do anything like this. Is that the fake persona that all people thinking their kids are innocent? And we got to remember when you was a kid, what were you doing behind your parents' back? You know, so um, like I said, obviously the parents are not mentally stable, you know, for whatever reason. But where in that line did the breakdown happen? How much influence did these parents have on the community for them to come forth and say, no, this is what you're going to do? You know, or were they even reciting a certain law that they knew was a loophole or whatever reason to say, no, you're going to keep my child in school? You know, so. Um, I'm not really familiar with the chain of custody in school because, of course, I haven't been in school for how many years now? <laughs> and then when you turn around, my daughter, you know what I'm saying, she's younger. So, yes, I talk to the teachers, but I don't talk to the principal. I don't talk to the counselors <laughs> and all that. You know, so it's it's a new process for me that I'm still trying to, to grasp. But I'm just trying to put myself in that situation as okay how is this the breakdown in that school system are they understaffed under budget you know all this stuff is going to play because of course if you're understaffed and under budget what kind of what corners are you cutting to just meet the end state right you know but um but i i, I can honestly say I think somebody's going to go down for this. And I think it's going to be somebody in the school. And then it's going to be 
well, somebody else is going to get reprimanded outside of the school who's over the school also because it's a chain of succession, you know, so that it just isn't going to be one person. I think it's going to be multiple people who's going to take a hit on this one if they do pursue that. Okay, let's do this. But now how much influence do certain people have in that area as far as elected officials to say if this is going to push forward or it's going to be a smack on the wrist or it's just going to disappear? You know? Yeah. But um, I know. I would like to see something happen, but I, like you said, I don't know the area well enough to know what's, you know what I mean? Who's connected mm -hmm. to who or what they all stand to lose. Right. Now, I did see that they said that the school was going to reopen. And this is a pretty big high school. You know, it's fairly big. So they're saying every building is going to have law enforcement and private security in every building. Right. They're also going to have um, trained trauma specialists that come in. So, of course, if something does happen, you know, now that you got medical assets that can actually deal with the situation and, you know, do the triage and separate people. Um, the school, now I thought this was already in place in schools because of how they do the technology with schools as far as like, you know, the firmware and the blocking of certain sites and everything, whereas they're doing a monitored software upgrade whereas they can monitor traffic coming in and out now I, I thought that was already in place but then again they might have got lackadaisy on it you know um and then it was something else um i think they had like counselors on the school for people who are traumatized and they can go in and talk about you know the situation and everything like that so it, it sounds like the community is coming together, but they are in support of getting back on track because that is a tragedy that, you know, one person did that much damage to that whole area, you know, pretty sad, but, you know, prayers go to the families who, you know, to the people who actually lost someone during that tragedy. And like I said, it's just a sad encounter overall. Yeah, I know. It really is. And it's, I do just wonder what the real breakdowns were. I don't, I, in my mind, and I don't work in education at all, but I mean, in my mind, it just seems like if you have a situation with a dangerous student, you would think that the school would be able to at least suspend that student until they get to the bottom of it. And I, I know that there's implications with that as well, but at some point, um, you know, your, your job kind of is the safety of the people in your building. And if someone is threatening that it should be, it should be taken seriously. Or even, I mean, you know, when kids call in bomb threats and things like that. It's that everyone's sent home for the day and they, they reconvene, they, they figure out what was the root of the problem. So why isn't that a protocol if, you have a known instance where a child is dangerous. So that's, those are just some of the questions that I have that hopefully we'll get answers to as this case continues to unfold. Now let's compare this situation to another situation. And of course, one is a shooting. The other one is not a shooting, but let's look at the impact of how the people got involved after they heard this. 
you remember the kid last year and this was back when the pandemic first started taking place he had a nerf gun showing in the background on the zoom call for school and he was being charged for a nerf gun you know like how to get kicked out of school and everything like that but yet the teacher brought forth this guy in a mental situation and it was like okay cool just go back to class and nothing happens and then the worst happened you know so yeah (sighs) i think that's enough of that but that's enough whereas we can actually fade into the next talking point which is situational awareness this is something that i'm very big on especially this time of the year um one thing i don't like when i'm out in public is i'm seeing more people when they're walking they're not even paying attention and they got their heads and their phone you know so this time of the year you know what i'm saying people do stuff even though it might be a joke for somebody else but the means of survival for other people but situational awareness you really have to pay attention because of course how many people are out spending money got money to spend or got the products and then they get robbed for their products robbed for the groceries you know whatever the reason is going to be so how do you actually prepare when you go out in public, especially when you know there's more than the usual people doing the shopping or going to this concert or whatever that function is going to be? How do you actually prepare for it? Yeah, so, so I feel like I'm, uh, I'm fairly observant and maybe borderline paranoid. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> I'll tell you a side story about that. So I have a Jeep, right? I have a Jeep Wrangler and I've had it for a while. And um, one of the things in Jeep culture is uh, ducking your Jeep. So there's this, um, basically it's just people, those little rubber duckies you would like put in the bathtub. People will order their own or make like custom ones or whatever, they'll, they'll put them on your Jeep. So when you get back to your car, it'll be like on your windshield or like, you know, stuck in between your door handle or, um, you know, just somewhere visible. So when you get back to your car, like, oh, like someone's ducked your Jeep. Uh, but I didn't know that. Like when I first got, <laughs> when I first got into the Jeep world, I was like, what is this thing? So I was at Kohl's. I was like, it's like a closed store. I was at Kohl's and I, um, I had, I don't even know what I was buying. I was just like shopping and I got back out to my heart and I saw this little duck that was wedged in between my door handle and I like freaked out. <laughs> I was like, what is this? What is going on? What is, who is tracking me? Like when <laughs> I was so freaked out for like, the, even like the whole drive home, this is, you know, I'm trying, I'm don't even think I had well I probably did have my my smartphone but it was like the one of the original iterations of a smartphone so I wasn't like on Google like looking up what the answer was and um it wasn't until like a couple years later that I found out that that's like a thing that people stick ducks on your jeep (laughs) it was like oh so this moment of like pure panic and paranoia and scared to death that there was this little duck that was tracking me (laughs) 
mm. was completely uncalled for. But um, at the time, it was I was very shocked and concerned for for my mm. safety and well being. Wow. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, you know, you learn, you live, and you learn. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you do, you do. Um, I know there was a point I was going around and I was trying to prove something to a friend of mine. So I went out and I recorded people doing certain things, like walking into an establishment and then at the gas station and just people just walking in general, like one of the malls here in Columbia, South Carolina is an outdoor mall. And of course, you know, you just see people walking. So went out with my video camera and I just pointed out certain things. And one thing I happened to capture was this female at the gas station pumping gas did not take her face out of her phone for maybe three minutes. So like when she started pumping, her face was in her phone, did not take her face out of that phone finished pumping the gas, put the nozzle back in, face still in the phone, got back into the vehicle and sat there for about another five minutes, probably still in the phone because I couldn't see inside the vehicle because the windows were tinted. And I was like, okay, this woman is only but so big. <laughs> she ain't paying no attention. The vehicle is already running. What if somebody was to jump into the vehicle and just take off? She wasn't even aware of what's going on. You know, but how many times do you see people walking down the sidewalk, walking in the grocery store, walking in the mall, just doing whatever with their face planted in the phone? Oh, constantly. Yeah. So, and I I think people need to be a little bit more aware of other people because majority of the time when somebody gets attacked, they're not even paying attention and they're caught with the element of surprise, you know? So situational awareness, situational awareness. You always hear people say, keep your head on the swivel, but is that enough? Is there a little bit more that you gotta do? How do you actually prepare for it? Leave your talking points in the description of this video and let us know how you actually prepare when you walk out of the house and what's one of the things that you actually concerned about when it comes to situational awareness when you're out in the elements you know amongst other people you know so pretty rough pretty rough um but just a few little talking points so want to hit up this week until we um do our final show for the season next week and pushing forward you know also i do want to remind everyone that we are going to be doing a giveaway once the M-W Tactical YouTube channel hits 1,000 subscribers. So please, everybody, if you will, head on over to YouTube, look up M-W Tactical, and hit the subscribe button. Once you hit the subscribe button, hit the notification button on how you want to be notified of everything we post on the M-W Tactical YouTube channel. Anything else you want to bring up, Miss Rockstar, before we head into this next commercial break? Um, no, I don't think so. I wish everyone a Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays and all that good stuff. But, you know, 
other than that, I've uh, I think we've had some some fun talking points and obviously oh, yeah. a lot of things to keep an eye on going into 2022. I know we've had a lot of um, just like good conversations of different court cases to follow, different just things happening within the two-way community, different news stories that I think have been very riveting and interesting and uh, important to um, to the continued discussion around the Second Amendment. So yeah, that's kind of, those are my my main thoughts. Yeah, so um, what we'll do is next week will be the final show. So we just got to figure out which direction we want to hit as far as the talking points to wrap up 2021. Yeah. But I don't want to talk about COVID. <laughs> I don't want to go down that rabbit hole. <laughs> Yeah, let's just leave COVID in 2021. Exactly. Exactly. I totally agree with you on that one. All right. So um if you have don't have anything else you want to bring up before this commercial break, um if everybody will head on over to Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, TikTok, Pinterest, and follow me there everything now is at m underscore w tactical i simplified it so i could just say that one sentence it sounds so lovely <laughs> just on all social media outlets just follow me at m underscore w tactical <laughs> and if you want to follow rockstar you can do so at rockstar burst b-e-r-s-t and mostly on instagram i do have a facebook that's tied to that but i am far more active on instagram um so feel free to send me stories or i like animal memes or i just like funny memes about the end of the world and i like good banter and fun conversation so you're always welcome to reach out and um yeah, just tell me, uh, tell me what's going on in your world. That's it right there. So if everybody will, please stay in your seats. And when we come back after this commercial break, we will be having a conversation with Chad, the match director from Palmetto Gun Club in Charleston, South Carolina, as we talk about the Toys for Tots match that they put on. So if you're driving, go ahead and adjust those sunglasses. If it's raining, slow it down but stay in your seats and here are a few words from our sponsors are you in the market to purchase your first or next firearm but find the atmosphere of a gun store intimidating crowded or uninviting there's a way for you to purchase the gun you want while avoiding the crowds the gruff salesmen and the marked up prices that come with a brick and mortar gun store the process is called a transfer, where the purchase is made in an online store and sent to a federally licensed middleman called an FFL, who processes the paperwork and background check for a firearm purchase. CAE Transfers is the FFL with the lowest transfer cost in the Midlands at only $20 or $15 with the presentation of a South Carolina concealed weapons permit and $10 for repeat customers. If you live in Columbia, South Carolina or its surrounding areas, choose CAE Transfers as your FFL during checkout and let me help you complete your online gun purchase. You can find and follow CAE Transfers online at Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram using at CAE Transfers. Thank you for your business and I look forward to seeing you soon. Mental Health and Guns 
At Walk the Talk America, we're working with both the mental health community and the gun industry. Created by a gun industry veteran, Walk the Talk America seeks to raise awareness and create change through suicide prevention and firearm safety without legislation. We strive to eliminate the prejudice that firearms and mental health face. For more information and to support Walk the Talk America, please visit walkthetalkamerica.org. Hey, this is Brian. Thank you so much for listening to the M-W Tactical Podcast. Michael has been a great supporter of Hunter's HD Gold, and it's my pleasure to be a support for his podcast as well. Make sure you check out the Hunter's HD Gold website for prescription orders and also custom orders where you can use your own frame for your Hunter's HD Gold lenses. Or if you want to try the new Hunter's HD Ruby, we have information there as well. Because we always use Trivex lenses as our base material, and all our lenses are photochromic so they change so you don't have to. So thank you again for listening to the M-W Tactical Podcast, and we'll see you at the range soon. JM4 Tactical has developed a state-of-the-art polymer holster that will quickly become your go-to holster. With high-quality hermit oak leather, securely sewn to the interior of the molded outer bolteron shell, your draw becomes silent and no more scratches up and down your firearm. When seconds count, you can rest assured that you will have the upper hand when you need it most. Whether you carry open or concealed, the Relic Holster is available in four different models, fitting over hundreds of different style guns. The new reliable, easy, light, individual carry holster by JM4 Tactical. Order your Relic today at jm4tactical.com. Hey everyone, John from Outdoor Dynamics here. We're a remanufacturer of ammunition based in Kannapolis, North Carolina. We make everything from 9mm 115 grain to specialized 40 Smith & Wesson. So if you have anything from an open gun to just a standard Glock 19, feel free to reach out to us at OutdoorDynamics.net or we're on Instagram and Facebook with Outdoor.Dynamics. And we're always here for you, happy to answer any questions you have. All right, good people. We're back at it again. And thank you for sitting through that commercial break. And as we stated earlier in the show, we're going to have somebody on the show who put on a match last weekend that is something that's near and dear to me, especially when kids are involved. So any match I can do, whereas this a toys for tots match or anything to raise money for children, I'm all in it 100%. So what we decided to do was get with the match director from PGC, which is Palmetto Gun Club out of Charleston, South Carolina, bring him on and talk to him in regards to what it took to put together the match, what's going on with Palmetto Gun Club and other factors he has going on within the shooting community. So without further ado, I wanna introduce everyone to the match director of PGC, Palmetto Gun Club out of Charleston, South Carolina, Chad Bennett. What's going on with you there, Chad? Oh, not too much. Just hanging out, enjoying some uh, mulled wine on a Saturday, uh, Sunday evening. <laughs> hey, that's it right there. So everybody deserves that little bit of relaxation going into the new year, right? Yep. <laughs> that's it right there. So um, first of all, um, going into the interview, I do want to say thank you for hosting the Toys for Tots match. And I can't say that was a very fun match. It ran smooth. 
Um, I think it was only one stage that had a hiccup because it had two activators and however it was a backlog, we kept catching up to the other squad, but I don't know if our squad had more people or less people or if it was in the range, but that was the only thing that I seen that was in the range. But when we caught up with the other squad, it wasn't like we was waiting all day. It was maybe one shooter, two shooters, maybe. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, that was a that was a little bit of a mix of the the squad numbers weren't quite even, but it was mm-hmm. the numbers were just enough, or it was like it would have been more of a pain to readjust. So we tried doing the spacing, but yeah, what is what it is. And that double swinger mm-hmm. that was more of a bear than we thought. It was fun, <laughs> but man, that was a whole different thing. Yeah, I think um, when our squad was going through it, uh, we had a, a nice little system, and nobody talked about it. It just kind of fell into place. So I know like when I was doing RO duties, I was majority of the time resetting the um, swinger portion, whereas somebody else was already back then already re-engaging the stomp pad. Yeah. Yeah. So we had it going smooth though, but like I said, it was fun overall. So now um, going into the toys from tots match for Charleston, how did y'all, come up with the theme and the stages and everything the admin portion of it uh, so originally the idea was we were, we were trying to keep it as kind of Christmassy themed as possible and I originally had intention of actually building more props mm-hmm. and actually have it to where it was really more uh, Christmas directed like originally we were going to try to actually make a sleigh so you're sitting in a sleigh not in a golf cart right uh, but you know Greatest intentions, just a backlog between Thanksgiving and everything. We ran out of time and funds, so I couldn't do exactly what I wanted. Uh, but we were mainly just trying to keep it really like Christmas themed. So having more of a fun kind of match, we're just going out there doing different things. Try pulling out all the props that we never use, which is why we had that uh, foot stomper on the double activator to try to just pull in as much as different uh, activators and props as we could that we don't normally see to just have a fun host fest for a good cause. Because I. My wife's actually the Marine on the Air Force, so, you know, she gets to wear the pants. Right. Uh, she's also taller than me, so that helps. <laughs> but so I've always enjoyed that foundation too, but it's also just because with her being in the Marines well, it's a little closer to us as well. Right. But we love giving back, so I always love doing these matches whenever we can. Hey, that's it right there. So, like I said, it was um fun stages. I could have swore going into it, somebody said it was going to be like, 10 stages but i was like uh, i don't think it's going to be that many because you know how long that's going to take to set up and, yeah it'll be uh, it'll run. <laughs> yeah so i was like i wouldn't mind shooting it but i, I don't i'm not looking forward that day because i was only prepared yeah. for six maybe seven <laughs> so yeah, i didn't I know what to expect enough for 10 that's a lot of props <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> yeah exactly so um but yeah i, I do want to commend you and your um staff for actually putting that match together um, like I said, it was very much fun after the match. Um, the taco squad, which was that day, it was only me and um, John. We sat back and we was talking about it. And, and we talked about the match for maybe about 45 minutes, just going back and forth of like the different breakdowns we normally run through after a match and how it could have got better, what made it worse, you know, stuff like that. But it was 45 minutes of positivity with this match so it was very very fun very fun um that's awesome you glad to hear that oh yeah yeah so um let's talk a little bit more about chad and what you do within the shooting community all right so you actually 
are the match director for um, PGC and you do something else within Florida for the shooting community as well. So both me and my wife are military. We were stationed in Florida, if anyone's familiar with the Eglin Air Force Base. She was there as an instructor and I was there just as an UD tech. And there was lots of really good ranges in that area. There's two huge range complexes that host a lot of matches. So that's what got us in the shooting community there, which I was basically shooting three to four matches a month between pistol and multi-gun, two and three gun matches because they were just so prevalent. So I started there and that's why I got in my uh, club back there where I started helping them setting up the USPSA matches. And uh, we started setting up a match for the EOD Warrior Foundation, which is a foundation that helps for wounded EOD technician, family members of KIA EOD technicians across all four branches. Uh, Because we all do the same job, we go to the same school. So it's one of the ones that's also near and dear to my heart because I'm an EOD technician and I've seen firsthand what the foundation does. And it's, they do some amazing things between retreats for families to just kind of help getting the closeness together for guys that have had those demons for families. They've got, I was in Germany when one of our guys, the shop got blown up and they got the families flown there like next day to see the guys who was getting treated when he first got back in country. So I've seen what the foundation does firsthand and it's a great foundation. So we started running a pistol match, kind of USPSA style. It's USPSA divisions, but it really is more outlaw because we loosely follow the rules just for fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we've run that for about six years now. Well, next year will be six years. And we've total raised about 25,000. We average about 5,000 a year donation after we take the overhead. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's been a, a great run. I mean, we just enjoy setting matches and shooting. And it's even better when we get to do it for good foundations like Toys with Dots, the Beauty Warrior Foundation. So we'll be going back late April is where it's going to be set up at Ultra Shooting Solutions. Mm-hmm. And we'll be heading back to set that up. And it'll be the sixth stager of just putting holes in paper and knocking down steel, having some fun. Nice, nice. So now when you say this is an outlaw match, um, is it going to be like one stage is all still and you got to run around to the different boxes to shoot or you're actually shooting out of an airplane on a zip line? <laughs> So we don't have any real cool props like that, unfortunately. <laughs> but it's it will be more of kind of the <clears throat> sorry. It will be kind of the like all steel moving between one box. So we're not really gonna be following the eight shots per position so much to say, or you might be doing more than eight shots single hand just to challenge you more. Mm-hmm. Um, just because we like mixing it. So one, it's more fun and we really like making it challenging. Like we pretty much every year have had at least one stage where you have a bonus shot where you're engaging at a target between 100 to 150 yards, where if you want to, you throw two rounds at it for takeoff two or three seconds. That's just kind of like a fun, it really turns into a pride thing where most guys do it because I have to hit the target, mm-hmm. uh, but kind of stuff like that, where we don't necessarily follow the round count per position. And sometimes we use some stuff that we don't normally use in the USPSA right. just to challenge them a little bit more and make it fun. No, I got you on that one. So, um, the technicality of a shooting match is very, very costly on the mind at times because I've seen yeah. some people <laughs> literally beat themselves up on what to do, how to do it, and it's like they stress themselves out. So um, some outlaw matches I went to, I was just like, okay, you can pretty much just do whatever as long as you stay safe. So <laughs> let's do this. Yeah. So the the most part, that's why we try to run it. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. So um, 
Now, um, as far as PGC goes, um, this year has been pretty strenuous on you all as far as matches go, because a lot of times when it rains, y'all will actually shut down a lot of your matches. And I want to say this year in total, this was probably my third time coming to um, PGC. Um, so the irrigation is the issue. So do y'all have any plans in the future to correct that and actually host more matches in the event like it starts raining before or after the match? So we've been trying to work that. The biggest problem we've run there is so I kind of came in down in the tail end because uh, we just got here in 2019 after they had apparently done all that renovation. Right. Um, and then I took over from match directing for Mike. Actually, towards the last year was my first match. So this is actually my year anniversary. Uh, so I kind of came after it was already said and done. And I, from everything I've gathered and talking to everyone, the biggest thing I've heard is they've dumped so much money into making it pretty grass that they don't want to fix it. Right. Um, so we're, there's a, like myself uh, and a couple of other guys like Wally Burridge, uh, Bruce Belvin, Chance Warner, uh, and Rob Teague too. They're pretty much like, they're my rock. They're always there helping me set up. Mm-hmm. They're basically the guys that run it also. Right. Um, and we all talking that we try to do this petition or something, or we got to see if we can get the match directors to put something up. The biggest problem that we seem to keep happening is the club goes off of basically voting to try to fix issues. Right. And they're having an issue getting quorums at the meetings to actually vote on anything. Right. So they haven't been able to vote on anything. One is, it seems to be a big issue. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the second one is they've dumped so much money into it, they really don't want to do anything but make it work. Right. So it's kind of fighting both those uphill battles of, I don't know if they're honestly recognizing the issue, they're just so much that we've already dumped so much i can't go back Uh, so we're kind of we're trying to figure the way around that right now Mm -hmm. um because we're talking about i would love to bring a session to uspsa or to pgc Mm -hmm. but my biggest thing is one is the irrigation and with the bays i'm worried about that being an issue uh, and just finding getting a good crew to start it but that's kind of my big concern right now is like you said we've had to cancel there's been at least three to four matches that have been because of rain Right, because we tried. There's a couple we tried pushing, but it got so wet and slick that it was just a couple got real close to that line of unsafe. Where it was like, eh, mm-hmm. I just didn't feel comfortable pushing it again. Yeah, I don't blame you on that one. Safety is the most important aspect, especially when you're running around with a firearm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um, now, um, some of the changes y'all made from when I first seen the the range structure to after the renovation you got one bay that is massively big but then you got the little bays that were still fair sizes how did y'all make the determination of which bay you was going to use um for the toys for tots competition oh so for that the biggest thing we try to do is we i normally try to keep it fair for the members to where because the first three bays has all the reactive steel the play racks and the dueling train everything Mm-hmm. And then the rest is kind of bare. So we normally try to keep those first three open for members that come on the weekends, just so they don't lose their fun shooting days. Right. So I know it's not always fun to have a membership and then there's always matches so you can't use anything. So we try to keep those first three open so that they can utilize the fun targets. I mean, everyone likes shooting trees and play racks. And then we generally, 
We try to do 50-50 within the 50-yard bay, just again, so members that come in can use it because they generally like people getting a zero and that one, that one first. Mm-hmm. So we don't always want to tie it up so people can't use it. Right. Uh, we just, this time, we really wanted to have a bigger stage, have more movement, because unfortunately, those smaller ones don't have as much width, so it kind of can keyhole you. Uh, so we, we kind of split it between every other way, use the 50, just to make it fair on the members. Gotcha. I got you on that. Now, um, at the match, you had stated um, that by the end of the match, you was going to let everybody know how much money was raised and how much toys was raised because the Marines were actually there. Actually, I think it was three guys in uniforms and Marine uniforms that was there. Yeah, um, yeah, there was a uh, – yep, there was three. And then I think it was the one there were civilians. I think it was a retired Marine or just one that works in the company. But, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so we – Oops, sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to ask, um, how much was raised and how many toys, if y'all had a count of the toys that were um, donated? So when all said and done, we had about 720, 720, 720, 725 mm-hmm. uh, dollars donated and then around 35 toys, if I remember correctly. Right. Right. So, so not too bad for a little yeah. bit. No, that wasn't too bad. Um, I think the turnout from last year it looked about the same to me. Um, I don't know if it was more or less from last year, but it's if I remember correctly, it seemed about the same. We were somewhere in the mid 40s, and that's about where we we're at this time. I think we were 42 mm-hmm. shooters, if I remember correctly, this time. So right. within one or two shooters, yeah, about the same. Okay. So I would say next year, um, we're going to have to push that up to at least a thousand, thousand dollars and at least 50 toys. So we got yeah. to do some stuff and get the people, the people to help out for that great cause for the kids, you know. Well, yeah. hoping next year too that we can try to make a little bit bigger of an event also because I, I kind of that one's kind of me. I kind of shortchanged it this year as far as what I wanted to turn it into just with mm-hmm. the holidays and I started working on the the Florida match, and a lot of things I wanted to do kind of came in my mind late, so it was just short notice. Yeah, but I want it next year. I want to try to pull some other companies into it. And do some maybe like maybe do five stages and then a competition stage and have some prizes or some raffles. So I'm gonna to try to hit up some companies from the donations to try to have some extra things on the side and maybe help bring some more money into. Nice, yeah. That's so we'll see. Cool. Hopefully next year we'll make it a little bit bigger event. Hey, that's it right there. So like I said, as soon as you start planning it, you dream it, you can't achieve it. So like I said, either way you look at it, if it's toys for tots, I will be there <laughs> for that match. Yes. That's too easy. <laughs> Yeah. So um, what's next for Palmetto Gun Club and Chad as a match director? Uh, Really, it's just try to keep people uh, coming back some good matches, try to make the matches still being fun yet challenging and not just boring. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm lucky with like the crew I mentioned with Chance, Bruce and Wally and Rob. They help me all the time where, you know, we come up with stage designs. Like, this sounds really cool. And you put it on the ground, you're like, well, this is really lame. So, you know, they're always helping me keep me in check, make sure we have good stages and right. just make sure we have good, fun stages for everyone and start trying to get those attendance back up to around the 50 shooters every time. It'd be great. I know the whole pandemic and all the shortages are really putting a hurting on everyone. So that's been rough all around. Oh, yeah. Just trying to bring it back to like we were with some good matches and good attendance and start making better equipment. I know we want to try to replace a lot of the poppers because some of our steel is not the best and it's pretty shot out. So we're looking at doing some inventory upgrade and swap out 
and maybe getting a couple new targets that uh, I shot in other matches that are really fun that they don't have yet that I would love to bring to Palmetto. We'll have to, we got to get some more shooters and money in first. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I said, um, first of all, like I said, the group of guys that you have um, named off, you have a wealth of knowledge right there. So, um, like I said, no wonder the matches at that Toys for Tots match was so fun. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But all those guys sitting there um, working together, you know, coming up with a stage. So I'm pretty sure um, one or two of them probably tried to take it up to like a level three match, <laughs> something that you have to pull it back a little bit. <laughs> yeah, but you got a wealth of knowledge of those guys right there um, helping you out right there. So like I said, overall, um, I was never disappointed every time I went up there to um, PGC. So I would say keep up the good work. And um, next year, I believe the turnout will be greater. That's awesome. Looking forward to it. Oh, yeah, man. So um, you have anything else you want to um, blast out to um, the good people as far as um, how people can contact you um, if they want to network with you and donate um, for future events and all that good stuff? Yeah, so if anyone ever needs to get a hold of me, whether it be for Palmetto Gun Club USPSA or if you want to help out for Toys Tots or anything like that, uh, my contact's on the Palmetto Gun Club website as far as the directors but my email is super easy it's just my name chad bennett 1986 at yahoo.com you can hit me up there anytime that's probably the best but my cell phone number is 860-694-8296 and that's always on me too so feel free anyone has any questions hit me up and i'll help them out and i just look forward to seeing more people come out i'm glad people are enjoying it and i hope that we're doing it right and setting up good matches for them and day that's about going out having fun good people, the best type of people around and putting some holes in paper and knocking down some steel. Hey, that's it right there. Like I said, you just said a mouthful of fun <laughs> right there. Yeah. Get everybody going, coming out there to PGC and um, shoot up some stuff. <laughs> yeah, so um, I do want to thank you for coming on to the M-W Tactical Podcast. And uh, we're going to bring you back on later so we can actually talk a little bit more in depth about the other charity match you got going on as it gets closer to that date of um the match starting sounds good and thank you for the invite hey no problem no problem so if you will everybody stay in your seats and here are a few words from our sponsors what's up good people thank you for taking the time and listening to the m-w tactical podcast please Go visit the M-W Tactical store at www.m-wtactical.com forward slash store and help support our efforts by purchasing a shirt or two. If you haven't done so, go follow us on Instagram and Facebook by searching for M-W Tactical.